star of the season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode 10. And today I have on a very special guest for episode 10. He is one of the founders here at Campus to Canton. He is the other half of the Campus Life and Canton Bound podcast that drop every week on the C2C streams and networks. Of course, you can uh, find him on the Debbie Debate as well. He's a man of expensive taste when it comes to dairy products, bow ties, and he has his own butler on Discord. So this is big, big, big things here. He also hates your college uh, favorite team's uh, top recruits. So if anyone wants to give you something to where you have to think about it, this would be the guy to do it. He is my boss's boss, and he also sends me the goods for my hard work. This is Mr. Austin Dace. You can find him on Twitter at Debbie Dietz. Austin, welcome to the Future Freshman Podcast, sir. Thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, I love talking recruiting. I don't get to talk about it nearly enough, so uh, happy to be on here with you. Talk about some of my favorites. I'm, I'm happy yep. with the selection we've got here today. I did. I, I like to tailor it to my guests that I have on as well. And I know you got tired of the uh, the 2022 class going into the rookies here as far as NFL. So now I'm going to give you some 2022 recruiting class, which I think you're much more happier to talk about for sure. Uh, let's do some housekeeping real quick. Of course, we need to check out the new campus, the Canton website. Uh, I can't tell you how awesome it is and how much it's improved and how good it looks. Of course, there is different tools there's different things you can use there's plenty of subscriptions that you can have uh awesome tell them why your favorite subscriptions in il why you should get that one probably first but we could talk about the others if you want so uh talk to them a little bit of the campus of canton uh you know just the start to now you know what's your thoughts on everything as we've progressed here over the past year i mean the nil is, is obviously great because it, it, if you're really passionate about I call it like college adjacent fantasy. If you're really into Devi, if you're really into CFF, if you're really into C2C, uh, that particular membership gets you literally everything we offer there. Plus it gives you for in season, it'll have DFS and, and different things like that on a weekly basis. Um, we're doing three guides this year. The the freshman supplemental guide you've talked about on the show many times. Um, you'll get that for free. You'll get our Debbie guide, which comes out in two or three weeks uh, included in that membership. And then we'll be doing a CFF guide releasing like July ish and you'll get that as well. So um, if, if you're just really into everything, I do recommend it. But the nice thing is we have something, you know, if you, you know, just kind of want one guide or no guides, or you don't need all that information, we have other memberships as well. So I think it all works out really well for anybody's level of interest or, or passion or, whatever else uh you've got going on yeah absolutely uh of course the deal is that doing the yearly but uh i'm in for what 7.99 a month i think for the nil that's not bad if you're doing a monthly subscription that way if you want to move different subscriptions i think that's also an option too uh so definitely check that out as well of course we're gonna you know shout out my boy nicholas ian allen over at cfp winning edge uh i actually have one of you guys uh reach out and actually sign up for the patreon you actually mentioned the podcast so whoever that was thank you if you want to leave in the comments below i want to give you a special thank you so thank you for doing that and doing so he actually hit me with the new returning production stuff that we talked about last week so that'll be into the show today so you can see some of that of course you can visit him at patreon.com slash uh cfb winning edge and of course it's only five dollars a month to sign up super 
super amazing stuff. Plenty of info to have. Austin is a subscriber as well. He can tell you firsthand. Uh, if you're looking up something, whether you want to look at opportunities for a player, if you just want to see what the depth chart looks like in accurate form and see it change on the daily as he goes through and sees as the transfer portal happens, things like that. This is these are the sheets to have and to own for sure as well. So please go check that out, of course. Tell them that the Future Freshman Podcast sent you and that uh, the C2C guys, of course, still loving what he's doing. So please keep that out. And, of course, lastly, we have our partnership with Price Picks. So you can use the code CFFQ, uh, and that is a 100% matching deposit up to $100. So definitely if you wanted to get $100 bucks and you want to double up, you can go up to $200. That's a lot to work with. Uh, plenty of stuff going on as far as sports, NBA, USFL. I believe there is some tennis and things like that going on shortly. So, you know, something for everybody, but there's always a prop that you can get a hold of. And then that gets you ready for the upcoming season. And that's where the CFFU podcast will take you into there and try to double up that money even more. So be on the lookout for that. Of course, the code is CFFU. And of course, go check out the prize, excuse me, prize picks app. It's definitely recommended as well. All right, Austin, are you ready to talk about some of your studs that we got going on this year? A hundred percent. Let's dig right in. Let's do it. Let's start with Mr. Antonio Williams. Of course, he is a guy that committed to Clemson. He is a four-star prospect, very high four-star. Uh, he is at 0.973 as far as the composite grade for 24-7 sports. He is six feet, um, 180 pounds going into Clemson. That was, you know, a couple months ago. Ninth overall wide receiver in the 22 class. He, of course, he played in the 22, uh, 2022 Under Armour All-American game as well. Uh, and, of course, I have some of that for those that are interested in some of the uh, freshman and supplemental guy. We have a little excerpt here. Of course, this is from Austin himself, so he could probably tell you off the top of his head. But, Austin, what was something that drew you about Antonio Williams heading into Clemson and why you thought this is the you know a great pairing between you know school and athlete in particular? Yeah. So when I started doing all of, you know, kind of digging into freshmen a couple of years ago, I literally only ranked for like the first year on talent alone. I ignored situation. I ignored, gotcha. you know, skill set, fit, all of that kind of stuff. And now I've kind of tinkered a little bit where I will factor that in occasionally. And Antonio Williams is a guy that I think benefited a little bit from that. You mentioned he's going to Clemson. Uh, he's six foot 180. That's not your typical Clemson wide receiver. You think Clemson wide receivers, you think big guys, T Higgins, Justin Ross, uh, even the guys there now, Dakari Collins, Bo Collins, like all uh, Ingata, Ladson, all these guys are, are, are 6'3", 200-ish. Uh, they're, they're, they profile as big alpha outside guys, you know, wind downfield, jump ball, all that good stuff. Antonio Williams is the antithesis of that. He's the complete opposite. And that's something different that that offense really, really needs. We watched DJU struggle last year because all the receivers were the exact same guy. They couldn't really get open short intermediate. The line was getting destroyed. He had nowhere to go with the ball. I think Antonio Williams is the kind of guy that can step on campus immediately and not solve that problem completely by himself. But I think he he's the kind of guy that can be a quarterback's best friend uh, when no one else can kind of fill this role. He is very athletic. He's one of the faster guys in this class. He, he definitely has speed to burn. But he's incredibly shifty. At the All American Bowl, he looked. Uh, he was. He he was, if not the best route runner there amongst was, the top yeah. couple top couple guys. Instant separation for this guy. So I think you pairing him in an offense that doesn't have a lot of that, I think, just meshes up really, really well with his skill set. And not to mention the fact that he's just extremely dynamic. I think he can be a guy that can play slot or boundary. I think he can threaten all three levels of a defense: short, intermediate, and deep. And that's when you start talking about a guy that is. 
you know, really, really versatile. Some guys can can line up all across, but can't can't, you know, short do short intermediate deep. And some guys are the opposite. He can do it all. So I think that profile just just screams bye 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 for me. And he's not very expensive in drafts from what I'm seeing this no. offseason. And, and so I, I just keep drafting him. I can't help myself. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll probably have too much of him, but it's a good problem to have, I think. So would you say that your love of Antonio Williams was even before the Adam Randall situation as far as the injuries and stuff like that? I know we're all big on Randall as well. Um, so I mean, these are two absolute studs. Uh, when I think of Antonio Williams, I'll just you know throw that out there. Much more skilled version of a Hunter Renfro, just reliable, can play out the slot, but shifty. The yards after catch, like you mentioned in the write-up here, I think about that with Antonio. Adam Randall is the pinnacle Clemson wide receiver looking guy. So it's like with Randall being down for the year and losing that time, uh, you know, did you already love Williams as far as coming in and making production in year one? I know you're a wide, you know, wide receiver year one zero kind of guy and stuff like that. Do you think Williams is the reverse of that? And he actually produces in your own, especially now with Randall out of the way, at least for the first season. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, two questions in there. I think the first one comparing him, uh, my love for him versus Randall. So I am definitely the lowest, I think, of our recruiting team on Randall. And I don't have him low. I have Antonio Williams as my wide receiver eight in the class, and Randall is number nine. The back to back, they're in the same tier. Like there's not that much separating the two of them, but I do slightly prefer Williams. And I think part of it is like he's just extremely dynamic. And the other part, like I mentioned, is just he is something that's completely different than anything else they have there, whereas Randall's kind of going to be fighting a couple guys. And Bo Collins is tough competition. I mean, broke out last year um, and is a good player. Um, Question number two there, can he break out year one? I think it's possible that he at least isn't a year one zero. And for anyone that doesn't really know, just a quick summation of year one zero, we basically have eight different thresholds that are very, very low, like 10 catches, 15 rush yards, like five kick returns, like, they're extremely low thresholds that we want to see players hit year one. Uh, even if they don't break out, it's usually indicative of a breakout year two. And that's kind of the year that like, if they haven't broken out by then we start worrying a little bit. So I think Randall can hit some or that Williams can hit some of those thresholds. I do worry slightly. He was not early enrollee, And yeah. I, that always scares me, especially with wide receivers. He's not on campus getting, you know, some uh you know a rapport with with whoever's behind center so that concerns me a little bit but i do have to think even if it's just special teams like i think he could return a, a handful of kicks or punts next year not for touch like just just out on the field doing it i think just on the field at all is a really nice thing for him there at clemson that it, I mean, is a major program yeah the cool thing about Clemson, and it's like, you know, other teams like the Ohio States and stuff like that, if they wanted to literally just have like a, you know, hockey type situation, first drinks, you know, just swap them in and, if, you know, wide receivers need to get rest and stuff like that. They have the talent and the depth to do that other than, you know, smaller P5 schools that don't have that luxury and things like that. So I think Williams definitely could get in and at least hit the year one maximum. And I didn't know how low it was. I know. You know, Colin was telling me last week, you know, it's very bare minimum, but those are definitely easy numbers to obtain usually, in, you know, in your freshman year as well. Um, you know, with Randall being out, you know, do you think, and we'll, we'll ask this before we move into some of the depth chart and deep dive a little bit, but do you think with Randall being out now and, you know, now Williams comes in in the fall, you know, is Randall now, I mean, I, by default, he's, you know, wide receiver one zero, but do you think in his sophomore year that also applies to him in year one at Tech? If, so that's his technical year one, or do you think uh, him and Williams kind of level out as they go into year two? What's your thoughts there? 
so when I developed the original year one zero theory, I um, if, if a player was out for the season due to injury, I did not count that as their first year. Gotcha. Um, Chris Moxley fine tuned this. I mean, it did a much better job than I ever could. Um, you know, expanded the thresholds a little bit, you know, tinkered a little bit. And he, he does not account for injury. So if you miss the whole first year, um, his system doesn't differentiate. And that I, I completely just like go with what he has now. So, so it does hurt Randall, but at the same time, this depth chart kind of stinks. And they're not really in on a lot of big guys as of now Mm -hmm. for next year. The only guy that they've got right now that's committed is Nathaniel Joseph, who's like five, seven. So, like, I don't think there's a lot coming in that's going to necessarily push Randall out if he can recover fully. And they're saying he's going to be back mm-hmm. for whatever that's worth. I don't know that I 100% believe that yeah. or would encourage that. But yeah. they said he's going to be back for the season. So, uh, well, we'll if see. Clemson can get into the playoff, I meant that definitely would be good Pickens. for them. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, good, good transition and good segue because we're going to talk about some depth charts. So first, we're going to talk about some high school stats to go along with it because Antonio Williams did some work in high school for sure. So he had 2,458 total receiving yards. Of course, he averaged 17.9 average receiving yards, 137 catches, 98.3 receiving yards per game. Now, you know, this is high school, but that's still very impressive. 23 receiving yards total and 30 total touchdowns, which means he did do some kick return and punt return. So that is good for special teams as well. So let's take a look at the competition and what they did last year. So the biggest one I would say is Joseph Ngata, of course, number 10 there. He is the senior. He has played 11 games started, so he's the most veteran of the team. And we did see him in the spring, and he was peppered a lot. But we didn't see Bo Collins. A.J. Williams was still not there. Dakari, you know, didn't show a whole lot as well. But Joseph Ngata had 72.8 fantasy points, according to Fantrax last year, 8.1 fantasy points per game. That's kind of yucky. That means I can't even start him. I can't even put him in a flex. If you're putting him on the bench, I don't even know if I want to put him up on waivers. And I'm talking to CFF now. If this is C2C, for sure, you know, you, someone probably has Nagata at least stashed away. Bo Collins is the guy you kind of want to look at. So he's the sophomore. He's the smaller one, the shiftier one right now. Uh, six games started as well. 89.7 fantasy points, 8.2. He did suffer some injuries, so we didn't get to see a full year out of Bo Collins, but I think a full 12 games, uh, and Bo Collins will probably explode. Of course, the uh, other one would probably be EJ Williams here. He's also a junior. He's six games started as well. Only had 13.6 fantasy points. Uh, he did uh, go out and, you know, injured as well, so he did not play very many games at all. And then, of course, Dakari Collins, who's only started three games of total in his career there at Clemson, 38.1 fantasy points. He did get a little bit more work once E.J. Williams and Bo Collins went down a little bit. So he averaged 4.2 fantasy points per game. So, Collins, looking at all of this stuff, you know, even there, it just looks like it gets spread out probably a little bit. Um, um, that's the luxury of Clemson. But it's also because of injuries and all this other stuff. Uh, we can also blame DJU if we want to be frankly honest and stuff like that for the production. Uh, we do have hope in, you know, we didn't see a lot from K Klubnik, but he definitely, I think it will come along as far as into the fall. And then as DJU starts, if he doesn't do well, the, the, the people are going to start clamoring for their, for their freshmen, you know, just like they do for their rookies and stuff like that in the NFL. Do you think this all increases? And do you think one of these guys blows up and then does Antonio Williams fit into any of this narrative or is he definitely a 2023 stash and we're looking at, you know, drafting him higher, you know, in CFF in hopes that we just get him in year two. What's your thoughts with uh, the process and the depth chart here and the fantasy points that we see? Yeah, I think 
in any of these guys, even Bo Collins to a, a certain extent can only go as far as his quarterback situation. And really right. the offensive line are going to let them. I, I watched that. Well, the first half of the spring game and, and then they shut it off uh, on ESPN or whatever. Um, I guess I have to thank them for that. Cause it was the first half was brutal. Yeah, um, was the, the, the line, I know I've heard from a million Clemson fans. They were missing a couple guys. They were shuffling the lines, whatever, but didn't really matter. Either side was absolutely getting blown yeah. up. DJ didn't look great. Klubnik looked okay, but he, I, I noticed they, they had um, Dabo mic'd up for the game and he kept yelling at him. He was missing. He was not diagnosing blitzes correctly. And, and yeah. he got himself sacked a couple times. So both of them are kind of works in progress. And I do think, regardless of what goes on there this year. I think it's another mild offensive year there for Clemson, which I, so I, I do think that, you know, if you're in just a CFF league, Antonio Williams wouldn't be a guy that I'm clamoring to get early in a draft this year, just because I think year one is going to be, if any production, very modest. And like, I'm really just hoping like kick return stuff is what kind of gets him on the field here early. Cause they have Brandon Spector as well. Yeah, they do. If you if you were thinking, you know, Twin Towers on the outside and, and Williams in the slot, Spectre is not a bad slot guy, and he looked pretty good with uh, with with Klubnik in that spring game. So, I, I think there are definitely a lot of things working against him, but I also think, you know, I, I think he can get out there at least a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, I yeah, I'm hoping you know special teams, you know, taking a you know a, a catch here and there from someone that's taking a breather on the sideline, just something like that, so that we can just see a glimpse of it. That'd be worth the investment. Um, so let's look at, at, of course, the returning production here. This also doesn't bode well for Williams as far as starting right away. Uh, they have 72.99% of their uh, overall team coming back. That's 28th in the entire FBS, fifth in the conference there in the ACC. Their offensive return alone is 81.64, so they do have a lot of people coming back. Of course, they got to wait for the injuries to come back, the people coming back on fall for the campus, but they rank 16th in the FBS. So, I bet, you know, like Austin was saying here, that it's going to take some time for Williams to do it, but he still would be a good investment. Uh, so in CFF, I, I don't know, man, like I would probably early third, if I can get late second, I mean, it, I'm not sure. I'd rather take the value on Randall. Cause I know a lot of people are, you know, just now starting to forget about Randall a little bit. So he's dropping into, you know, the fourth rounds and stuff like that. So I rather personally take Randall just because he's the big body Clemson prototype, but that's just me. I need to get out of my head and, you know, kind of look at it from your standpoint, like, Hey, this guy is a yak guy and he can really, you know, increase those points kind of like a Hunter Renfro did both at Clemson and, you know, there with the Raiders there at his time too. So uh, C2C wise, let's, let's talk that for a second. Uh, where are you taking Williams and where is Randall falling? Let's, let's do that comparison here. What, what are you seeing? Sure. So Randall is falling. Well, he might not be that much longer because I tweeted out the other day. Yeah. <laughs> stop no. stop letting Adam Randall fall. Yeah. Um, I mean, been increased. like I said, I'm not, I, I, I'm a, a fan of him. I was not our biggest fan. When we put down the fresh the, the, the freshman guide together, he fit in our tier one. I believe he was our wide receiver two behind Luther Bird. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I was obviously the low guy, but that was not an argument. That, I, that, that wasn't a hill I was going to win on. that one. Yeah. I, I was like, that's fine. Like, I, I understand I, I'm an outlier on him a little bit. Um, but he, like, I, I got him at the 36 overall pick in that league the other day. That's awesome. That, sh that, that should never happen in a million years. Like, I, yeah, I honestly had to do a, a double take that he was still there. Yeah. Um, and I understand the value game. Like I, I wait on Williams because I don't have to take him right. as early. I, you know, everyone is really fixated on Randall. 
And then Williams is kind of the forgotten guy, especially because he wasn't on campus. I regularly see him go fourth, fifth round um, of like a, you know, a 12 team, you know, so picks uh, 50 or you know, in the, in the fifties probably. And that, that kind of feels like where he's going. I think that's fair. Uh, but at that, that price, I, I'll, I'll scoop him up all day, every day. Cause I had, I mean, there, there's good receivers that I have him ranked ahead of, especially, I mean, for CFF and C2C, I have him ahead of a guy like Evan Stewart at Texas A&M. I have him ahead of CJ Williams, a popular guy that's at USC there. Yeah. Um, I have him ahead of every single Alabama commit this year, except for Isaiah Bond, who's right in front of him. Mm. Um, like I, I have in front of all these guys. And I think a lot of those guys go before him. I, I don't know that they necessarily should. Yeah, I could definitely see, maybe not Bond. So, yeah, I definitely agree there for sure, where you can grab this guy at a good value. So let's talk about another player that you're really high on, and that's our guy, Taylor Chetron. Of course, he is a four-star commit. He's 24-7 sports grade of 0.9506. Of course, a four-star there. He committed to Oklahoma State University. He's 6'3", 185 pounds coming into the into college. 19th overall wide receiver in the 22 class. Uh, multi-sport athlete, so first my interest. Uh, he played basketball. Of course, he ran track. Uh, just like I was telling Colin, that tweet that went out where like 70% of guys that get drafted in the NFL has played a different sport of some kind. There's only rarely like 30% people that are just stick to football. Um, so he plays fourth in the Oklahoma State track and field meet at the 400 meters. Uh, he also ran the second leg of the fourth place four by 100 relay. Um, so his you know high school team did really, really well. It's definitely got some quickness to there as well. Um, so David Nipple, of course, that is at solving football. He did the write up here. Um, of course, he beat uh, Austin to it this time, but not in the Debbie guy. So be prepared for the Debbie write up from Mr. Austin as well. Uh, but the man is a huge upside uh, receiver there at Oklahoma, had 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns at a Santa Fe high school. Uh, of course, we talk about basketball and stuff like that. He's got a nice frame. So he's got that 6-3. It's the 185 that, you know, I don't like to hear. And, of course, uh, our guy, um, Mitch, is going to see the guy's arms and be like, please, you know, go get some biceps in and, you know, do your thing. But uh, at the same time, he has room to grow. That's a good thing. Like his body and his frame, like he could definitely move up to the 200. And being at Oklahoma State is going to help him out a great deal as well. Um, he's grown to, uh, you know, one of the best uh, – you know, he's, he's going to be hooked up with one of the best trainers there uh, you know, out of Texas as well. So he's got the chance as well. And he has a top tier sp- a long speed. He wrote, he clocked him at 21.9 miles per hour. So that is moving. Uh, of course, having the long arms that he has, that is a great for um, the con- the entire realm of where he can catch you know, on there. So his contested catches, uh, being able to catch over his corners and stuff like that, he goes up against as well. And that's easy to manipulate, like you told him as well. Um so he needs to get a little bit more sudden in his improvement. So maybe a little bit more shiftier. Um, he doesn't uh, break a lot of tackles and stuff like that. So that's something that he needs to learn to kind of help with his uh, yards after the catch. Uh, but uh, I think the added weight and strength, like he was saying, can help there as well. Uh, and we're going to talk about depth chart, but this is where the opportunity lies as well. What were your thoughts on Taylor Shetron when you saw him, uh, when you're looking into things for C2C? Uh, of course, for CFF, I love the opportunity, and we'll talk about it in a minute. So I definitely would take Shetron like over Antonio Williams and CFF. But what's your thoughts on the C2C uh, process when you guys were looking at Shetron? So I am a noted hater of tall wide receivers. Um, yeah. Yes, you are. I, 
my favorite wide receiver is the Antonio Williams archetype, like six foot 180 to 190. Like mm-hmm. that's the guy I love because I think that's what the NFL really likes nowadays. They're versatile. Do. You don't have to worry about landing spot for a lot of them. Like they, they can kind of fit in wherever. So that's that's kind of what I'm drawn to, even though I, I can recognize that sometimes the bigger guy just has a little more upside if they've got the right physical ability. So Talon Shetron was my I, I, was my top rated tall guy in this class. And one of only two that I have in my top 15 that are over six two. So I, I think that that says a little bit that I that I really, really like this guy because he can play big or small. The thing I find with a lot of tall receivers that I don't like is that they just lack flexibility. And I think without that flexibility, it's hard to separate. It's hard to win at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes it can be hard to win contested catch situations. Like it just makes things more difficult. He is plenty flexible, in my opinion. And some of that probably is the track and basketball background. Um, so I, I echo your sentiment there. I love that he played all of those. It sounds like he crushed spring. He's listed at 195 now on their oh, website. Better. So let's, go. That, let's get to 200. Yes. We're getting there. Yes, exactly. So that that is a really really uh, nice sign as well. Um, I, I know he got injured in the in the the you know quote unquote spring game. It was more of a practice. They said he could yeah. have come back if you know it was a game or whatever. Um, I think he plays significant snaps this year. I don't want to say that he starts, uh, at least not off the bat, but I mean, I know we're going to talk depth chart in a minute, but if you just yeah. look at that roster, like they had Tay Martin last year as their number one guy, he's gone. They don't really have a lot of other boundary experience yeah. there. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk I, about I think, Presley, but I'm not the biggest Presley guy either. So no, no. And he's just not what that offense usually calls for. Like, right. they, you know how it is. Like there's just some offenses like, Mike Gundy prefers his top wide receiver to be 6'2", 6'3", like mm-hmm. 195 pounds, kind of, you know, wing contested catch up downfield. And that's his bread and butter to a T. So I think the the combination of talent and fit is is really enticing. He's my wide receiver four in the class, the very, very top of my tier two. Um, and I think we're going to get a couple of really nice years there. I, I really expect a, a Tylen Wallace-esque yes, college production career yes. while he's there. Yeah, it's just a matter of if he can do it, you know, starting in year one. But the opportunity's here, and let's talk about opportunity. First, we'll go into his high school stats because the guy got busy. So 3,194 total receiving yards, 15.1 he averaged for average receiving yards, 211 catches total, 86.3 receiving yards per game. So almost right on up there with Antonio Williams, 34 receiving touchdowns and 36 total touchdowns. That means he did bring back two on special teams. So there is that narrative as well. So let's look at the depth chart. So Tay Martin completely gone now. So now the guy with the most credibility, Brennan Presley. Of course, he's the junior. He started 13 games. He did go for 157.7 fantasy points, 11.3 fantasy points per game. That is barely enough to put him in a flex. And I will say when I did prize picks and we brought up Brennan Presley a few times on the CFFU podcast that I always took the under on Brendan Presley. So if they're like, Hey, I'm going, he's going to get so many receptions or he's going to get, uh, like nine or at one point, like 12 fantasy points. I was like, no, under immediately. I was like, his, you know, fantasy points per game, you know, Fantrax was telling me in the face, that's not going to happen. He barely breaks out stuff like that. So he's the most there as well. Of course they do have Braden Johnson. He's their senior 15 games played. However, he did sustain injury last year. He only had 3.5 fantasy points the whole entire year, 1.8 fantasy points per game. He is back, but I don't think that's hard to take over, if I'm being very honest. I don't see him as as high because I will look, uh, you know, when we're looking at this uh, 
from CFB Winning Edge, he does list the actual 24-7 ratings, and Taylor and Stretron is high and above as far as their, their ranking and stuff like that. Even Brendan Presley, who's only 0.85, so he was, I think, a high three-star, almost a four-star, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And then they bring back Jaden Bray, who did take over for Braden Johnson when he went out with an injury, uh, injury. So he had four games started, 50 fantasy points, only 4.5 fantasy points per game. That means he's staying on waivers, and I'm not really worried about it as all. So before we get into returning production, because there's also an opportunity there, look, you know, look what we got to work with, man, and look how easy it is. He did bring his brother on, uh, you know, so the other Shetron is in the house. They got the brothers, but he is listed as tight end. Yeah, so we care, might... careful when you're drafting. I've seen T Shetron yes. on there a couple times. I'd be like, oh, he's still there. And then it's like, yeah. oh, no, it's like, no, that's his brother. So, yes, heads up everybody on that one, especially in freshman drafts or in C2C or if you're doing startups or anything like that. Just be very careful. Make sure that you're looking at the full list and then look at the wide receiver and tight end part because that's going to get you. But that's also going to be fun to see probably. I'm like, we should have tried to call it that. I don't know. We're going to find out, right? Um, so, you know, seeing that, I mean, that's where the opportunity lies, and that's where I love the landing spot. That's probably where opportunity uh, you know, is definitely something in CFF that we look at, and this screams opportunity to the max, and that's why I take him very much highly. Right now, I, you know, of course, over Adam Randall, of course, over Antonio Williams now. So, but he's right on up there in the stratosphere. I wouldn't say he's like my love of like Matthew Golden per se or things like that, where I, you know, bang the table and, and hype the train. But Stretron is right on up there. Like I would, I mean, a lot of people would probably value him in the second. I would probably take him in a low first if you know some of my guys got picked. If it all depends on roster construction, things like that. So if you got a wide receiver that you're looking to have, you know, good three years out of this, is the guy I'd take. Do you guys? Um, share that same sentiment in C2C when you guys are drafting him? Or do you think he falls a little bit just because of how many players that you guys have and how many rounds that you have? He doesn't fall that far. Um, I know we, we had him pretty high in the guide. He was tier two, I believe. I don't remember yeah. the exact ranking, but but he he certainly scored high for all of us. What do you think the odds are that he is their leading receiver by the end of the year? Maybe not like in total, but like, you know, like over the last five games, would it shock you if he's just has taken that role by that point and kind of crushes no, down? I'll give it like a 48%. I know the specific, but I would be right under 50% chance that he could probably get that done. Um, like I said, it's just Presley. He really has to worry about Johnson and Bray. I really have no qualms. I mean, they're decent receivers, but they're nothing on the level of Shetron, you know? So I see it more like Shetron, Presley, maybe. I don't, I don't know who they're tied in. I forget who it was. Oh, it's uh, Braden Cassidy. He's their senior. Uh, and he, he's decent, but even, you know, Shetron's brother could overtake him as well. I mean, this is a wide open contest for sure. Uh, but yeah, like 48%, very, very easily. Yeah. And, and the other thing you don't have to worry about with him, in my opinion, at least, is um, new quarterback, his second year there. It's probably going to be Garrett Ranhell, kid who comes in this year. Uh, by all reports, he looked pretty good in spring. He's not quite the – he doesn't quite have the arm um, as some of the other guys they've had there as of late, but he's just like super accurate, really smart kid. So I think he'll um, – I, I think the back shoulder fade to Shetron will be a common sight uh, his second and third year there with, with Rand Hell. So I'm not worried at all about about uh, after Sanders leaves this year, what, what's going on there. Either. I was going to get your take. What's your thoughts on Spencer Sanders in this in this lineup? It just seems underwhelming, if that means. I've never been a Spencer Sanders guy. love the last name. Last name's fantastic. But as far <laughs> as overall talent, like, he's just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was highly touted. We took him high in CFF. Then we learned our lesson. So now he's like, you know, you catch him at a value. He's a good plug and play. But he wouldn't be a guy that would start as, like, 
first or second quarterback in CFF, and that's telling you something because he could start to, you know, like he would be my third option or fourth, you know. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on Sanders as far as going into this year? And then with Shetron coming into the mix, what's your thoughts there? I do think part of it with them is their that offense is just, you know, not a super aggressive offense. Like they'll dink and dunk and then look for that big shot to whoever their big guy is. And I think Sanders is the kind of guy that probably wants to push the ball a lot more than they've let him do. Now, how effective he'd be at doing that, I, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. There's probably a reason why they're not letting him do that all the time. Um, he looked good in the bowl game. Like I Yeah. I mean, right. I think I think by now we know what we have with him. Like I, I'm not expecting a year. What is this? A year six jump or a year five jump? I think whatever, he's a super but... senior this year. Yeah, like this is his last shot. So, but I, I don't. He doesn't actively hurt anybody. I mean, he's had some nice uh, producers there. So, he's, you know, he's yeah. not going to just crush all the options there. No, I just miss guys like a Tyler Wallace that's able to just get open. So that's much easier for someone like Sanders for sure. All right, let's drive the point home. Let's just look at uh, returning production here for Oklahoma State. Overall, they're only returning 54.30, so that's a little lower than what you've seen. That's why the FBS rank is over at 105th overall. Conference ranked the seventh, so they're in desperate need of you know some newer guys to come into this mix and make a difference for them to be competitive and get right back into these bowl mix and compete you know, for playoff contention. Offensive, they are bringing back 68.58, but that is the 48th rank, so barely in the top 50 as far as overall. That screams opportunity if it, you know, and that's where I love the returning production of what Nicholas brings to the table here because it shows me, you know, like this is a great pairing. You know, this is opportunity. This is talent. This is the right fit, you know, and this is a guy that fits the Gundy system. And I love what I, you know, see. Uh, he might be tweaked up, but he should be good to go by the fall. I'm sure they'll he'll be nice and healed and, you know, be ready to go. Uh, any last thoughts on Stretron before we move on? Good, sir. No, just really excited, and I think he'll. I, I really do think he can bring the the Oklahoma State receiver back into vogue. We've kind of forgotten about them over the past couple of years. Yes, I miss I miss the Tyler Wall, the Wallace hype for sure. I think Shetron is our next guy for that for sure. So definitely keep an eye out. Remember the right Shetron when you're drafting. Make sure you grab him early. Take his brother later on our own flyers. All right, let's move on. And of course, this is a guy that you brought to my attention. I did not know too much about Cartavius Norton. I call him the antivirus because of the last name. Why not? I think we should give him a nickname. Uh, but I do love the landing spot. So when I got a chance, you liked that, didn't you? Really <laughs> yes, I've never heard that before. That's good. That's good. It's going to be the antivirus to spread it. They would debate all of them, all the campuses. I'll do the Canton one just like, hey, Cartavius Norton, now the antivirus. I'm on. Um, oh, man, you're the man. So, guys, 5'11 at 210 pounds. I love that comp. That's really good. And you can see in this picture, if you're watching on YouTube, the guy's got some, you know, he's got some, you know, stuff, some mass to him, uh, you know, a good beefy uh, running back. That's kind of what we're looking for just to kind of make sure stuff happens as well. So, some notes and some accolades here. He did miss time to injury when he broke his collarbone. Uh, I believe, I want to say it was one of the early weeks, I want to say it was week one. So I mean, but he still came back and still ran for 467 yards and three touchdowns in the six games that he get, did get to play. Of course, that was COVID year, so everything was shortened. In 2019, he did average 4.3 yards per carry, which I love to see, and 404 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. I believe 
if I'm not mistaken, that was his sophomore year. Uh, so let's look at his high school stats per the Cyclones. Of course, I had, you know, nothing at 24-7, so I had to go digging deep. Luckily, the uh, website helped me out. So he did record 1,266 yards, 16 touchdowns on 153 carries. He did lead his team to a 9-2 and record and a state playoff appearance as a senior, so great production there as well. He also snared 22 passes for 382 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So I love a good catching and running on there as well. We're needing something like that at Iowa State, and we'll talk about that here shortly. He did rush for 467 yards, three touchdowns. He caught 15 passes, 208 yards, and two touchdowns in six games as a junior. Of course, we talked about that, and then he ran for the 404 yards as uh, the sophomore. Overall, he's compiled 2,825 yards and 27 touchdowns over this final three seasons. So that is getting it done. So we're going to transition. Uh, well, before we talk about depth chart, let's talk about why – why Norton and why you really are high on him because as three-star, I love it because he's a very high three-star. I think with some of the stuff I did get to see, he's got the tangibles to become a four-star or increase as his years progress, but I love the opportunity. So what did you see out of Cardavius Norton and why you really liked him when you guys were looking at him there at C2C and stuff like that? Yeah, I think the the theme as we've been looking at all these guys is kind of fit and talent. And if, if you can kind of nail both of those, I, I'm going to probably be a pretty big fan um iowa state you know we the, at least their past two running backs have both had great success there yes. uh been big cff options and then if you're more into the Debbie or c2c side obviously um uh, early round draft picks as well and, and have done generally well in the nfl so you know jarell brock is there this year and, and he's mm-hmm. probably next in line but i wholeheartedly think and i've said this a couple times on different shows and things that norton is the most talented back on that roster i don't think brock mm-hmm. is anything special yes he probably has the job this year Unless uh, injury strikes, but but Norton is just a he, you know he's a physical runner. He's got quick feet. He does remind me a lot of just the you know a one cut get upfield quick kind of guy. He needs a year probably to lose a little bit of bad weight. You know, like, like you said, he is beefy and not necessarily like in a great way. Um, so you you know he'll he'll kind of get all that in check and with a college uh, lifting and and eating plan oh, yeah. and all that, but. He's like I I really he can have at least two big years there I think you know whether that's you know next year and the year after or whatever um, and, and yeah I mean I I just think he he fits what that offense wants to do so well so I I really like Norton he goes really really late in C two C drafts I'm assuming he's probably going pretty late uh, in, in CFF dynasty drafts as well and I he's a guy I just I'm really happy to stash I think there's there's upside if anything were to happen to Brock and there's upside next year if if something doesn't happen to him. Yeah. I mean, right now I have, and we'll talk about depth chart now. So Jarrell Brock, we have him, but it's only because he's the next one up, but he's only started technically two games, only had 40.7 finish points. Of course he's behind Brees Hall. So he's barely going to get anywhere. Brees Hall just carries the load. We saw what Brees Hall is capable of. That's why he's 101 in your dynasties and stuff like that. So if you're doing rookies, if you're not taking Brees Hall one or two, I don't know what to tell you, you know, but at the same time, 40.7 fantasy points, 3.1 fantasy points per game. Surreal Brock just doesn't give me that Iowa State running back five, if that makes sense, like at all. Like he just doesn't fit the mold. Uh, yeah, he'll start, you know, I, you know, this is a team that, you know, 
we'll wait. You get your next turn up, just like Montgomery. Brees Hall is right behind him, waited his turn. Boom, Brees Hall is there. But those two running backs had incredible talent, and I don't see the same, I would say, eliteness that I saw at a Hall as I did with Brock. Um, even David Montgomery was above average, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think he was, he was a bit more plotting, but I think he was very effective because he just had a statue, and he just didn't go down when you try to tackle him. That's what I do like about Montgomery. But Brock, I don't see that in him. So am I ranking him in redraft a little higher right now? Yeah. But I would, I, I don't know. If you're doing a supplemental and you're adding a supplemental with freshman, I think I'd skip on Brock and I'd take the late flyer on Norton because he has at least, you know, the structure of what a uh, running back at Iowa State needs to look for. Uh, you know, do you, do you find that to kind of be the case that Norton just kind of fits the Iowa State mold? Or, you know, is it just talent alone? And you're just like, hey, no one else is going to beat the guy. Uh, maybe other than maybe like an Eli Sanders, who's a redshirt freshman, but He's the only one closest as far as like overall 24-7 rating, but he just doesn't have the same structure or the same, you know, build as as Norton. So what, what's your thoughts there? No, like I I really think, you know, Montgomery and Brees Hall, uh, although Brees a little less, like they're both one cut and go. And I mm-hmm. think that is 100% what Norton is. He doesn't want to dance around in the backfield. He's going to get some momentum going. He's going to hit you. Um, but he he plays very he's like under control at all times uh, like just yeah. you know kind of plays within himself so I yeah I think he he just is perfectly what that staff wants and, and by now that staff has been there long enough that we know what they want so I like I I think he fits perfect I think I have Brock on like one roster somewhere and I have a ton of Norton I it just I, in my opinion it's just so obvious he's the next guy there they're not going to transfer somebody in like I I was, I was wondering I was going to ask you like. That. No, but like, why? Because the you know, as a running back, you're like, say if I'm like, I don't know, you know, Kamara left Carolina, for example. Like, if you're looking at Iowa State, like these guys produce good running backs. I'm not saying Kamara has it in him, you know, or whatever. No offense or anything like that. But like, say if a running back who has prime real estate and wants to really be shown, why aren't you looking at Iowa State? Is it because they just don't want to be in Iowa, or is it? I don't you know, think why, Iowa why State. Is, I don't think Iowa State wants to work the portal. Like that's uh, the impression really just that I get. next man up guys. Yeah, they, that's they, all they, they've been. They, that's they so have their in-house guys. They've got the guys they picked out. Like I, I think that's just how they are. It's not a sexy thing, but no, it's, but it's, it's smart, successful. I yeah, I mean, I guess we should kind of note that you know for future episodes stuff like that. If an Iowa State guy is getting recruited, it's likely he's got a shot to at least compete. You know, to become the next guy up, which I think is really important. And that goes into the next segue. Let's look into you know the returning production here, and this is where it really shows really big there's only an overall 37.73 percent of their production coming back the offensive loan is only 36.98 fba's rank their overall is 128th out of 132 teams now i think 31 32 um and their commerce ranked is 10th and their overall offensive is 125th so they're in desperate need of some offensive production going on that's that wide receiver that's their quarterback that's also in the running back room as well uh, so I think Norton's got it in the bag. I think he could possibly, I think, like I said, Brock will do it, but I don't know that he can actually hold Norton off very long. I think Norton starts coming in like third downs or goal line, you know, stuff like that. And then we start seeing, I wouldn't say it would be a committee right away, but I think he can you know, take that. And then if Brock goes down injury, God forbid, or he just, you know, fumbles a couple of times. They're like, well, you can't do that. Norton, you're in next. And then, I think Norton takes it away and then there's no looking back. And then we see a three-star guy, you know, out of Iowa state take over the realms here and he blows up college, uh, you know, kind of like a Braylon Allen just shows up out of the blue boom and then just destroys. And then he's going to be a first rounder probably for CFF next year and redraft possibly if he does take over. So 
where would where are you where are you seeing him in C2C as far as drafts and stuff like that? Where where's I know you're not trying to give away too much value because you're getting him a lot, but you know, just give me some rounds. You can you can you can do it that way. He goes late. I, I think I've been taking him in like the ninth, tenth ish range. Okay. Um so not and not not significant capital. He's definitely a forgotten guy there. Um, three stars, like probably waiting a year. So I, mm-hmm. people are off of him. But I, 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 I don't know if I've taken him in every draft so far, but pretty mm-hmm. darn close to it if I haven't. Yeah, man. So if it's ninth or tenth in CGC, that's probably telling me that I could probably get him in like twelve to sixteen rounds when it comes to CFF and stuff like that, which is great value. I don't know. After you know the episode, people might get keen on him and he might move up a few rounds or something like that, but we can get them past round 10. I mean, that's a value in itself, especially in dynasty and stuff like that, for sure. So that's definitely something to look forward to. Any other thoughts on the antivirus before we move into big fish, small pond? Good, sir. You mean sometimes that uh, the discount that you can get on a guy that that's, that's waiting is, is definitely worth it, especially at a school like Iowa state that just is next guy up. And I, I yeah. just, that that's what I, I see for him. It, and so that's one of the situations where I'm, I'm more than happy to wait for a year and then bring this kid on. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think it's worth to grab him. Uh, like I said, I'm just, I'm not the biggest Brock believer. I mean, I hope he does well. I'm not saying, you know, trying to badmouth the kid. I just don't think he fits that Iowa State thing and Norton's like dead on. So you heard it here, guys. You could take the value, possibly the new starter in later rounds versus, you know, uh, moving up, especially in redraft or in Dynasty if you are doing supplemental to take Brock earlier on for sure. All right, man, let's move into the big fish, small pond. And this week we have a quarterback. Of course, this is Mr. Jackson Daly. He is a three-star prospect uh, from 24-7 Sports. He is 0.8646. He is 6'2", 190 pounds coming into the um, school as well. He was committed to Arkansas State, so he is part of the Red Wolves, uh, which, you know, has some quarterback, a little bit of lineage of people that transfer in, and that's where we'll talk about that in a minute as well. But he did get some Power 5 offers. One was Michigan, which I thought was super interesting. And, of course, Iowa State, which I thought was pretty interesting as well. So he did had some look from some Power 5 schools. Um, so he did. Uh, let's look at his accolades and notes. So he posted 22-2 and record as a starter. He passed for 3,585 yards and 40 touchdowns in the last two seasons. He led his high school to a 12 and one record in the 2021 uh, class uh, championship, of course, the state championship. Uh, which is the first in school history, which kind of what got me onto Jackson Daly. I was like, okay, this kid is actually, you know, producing. He seems to be a leader as well. He did. Uh, he is from the state of Iowa, so I thought it was a good transition to move over from Iowa State to this guy this week as well. He did win the uh, state honors from the Iowa Print Sports Writers Association, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, he completed 134, 222 passes uh, for 1,865 yards and 20 touchdowns. He added 256, excuse me, 257 rushing yards and four scores on the ground, which I liked as well. So that means that we're not looking at a stand in the pocket type of guy. He can do that, but he's also able to get out and run with his legs as well. And of course, we call that a Konami or a cheat code, especially in fantasy as well. We're always looking for the next guy that can break out and become a Lamar Jackson or, you know, someone in that realm of possibilities as well. Um, he was an all, all Iowa elite team quarterback. He did, I believe, tried to, uh, I think he was in the elite 11 camps. I did see that he did that as well. Um, so the kid's got some talent to go along with it. So looking at his stuff, I feel like he needs to fill in a little bit more at 6'2". 
definitely has some room to, you know, buff up, of course. Arkansas State is one of the, you know, smaller G5 schools and stuff like that, but I'm pretty sure they have a decent weight room and, you know, a decent meal plan. It might not be to the P5 level where they just feed you every three hours or something like that, but I'm pretty sure it's like enough to get the job done because it is, you know, at the um, Division One level. So, uh, have you had a chance to look at Jackson Daly or did you come across him at all in your guys' process or anything like that? Didn't watch until you had put him on the sheet here. Figured I'd go check him gotcha. out so I didn't sound like a total idiot as we hopped on here. <laughs> um, interest, like, he, like you said, he won a state title. He played with a bunch of other big names. He played with uh, yeah. uh, Xavier and Wapanka. I'm not going to try it again. Yeah. Um, that, that five-star safety that's going to Iowa. Yeah, like, the yes, safety. There's an, an offensive tackle there that's there for next year as well. So big high school, pretty solid teammates. Um. I mean, my comments, like, he moves okay. He's not, like, amazing uh, as a runner, like, athletically looking. And then he brings the ball really low when he throws. But he looked accurate, drew a bunch of, you know, bucket shots. So, I mean, Arkansas State, the level of competition isn't great. Give him a year or two or whatever and and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, he's intriguing. I'm probably not going to roster him anywhere, but I'll probably be watch-listing him just to see what happens over the next year or two. Oh, yeah. He's definitely on the watch list or the waiver wire. You know, the guys you put the star on just to see on there. And, and here's why. So we're looking at the depth chart, right? So James Blackman, of course, the incumbent coming from Florida State, he has, you know, started 30 games over in his journey, journeyman life there, but it only averages 81.9 fantasy points per game, 13.6 fantasy points per game. That's not going to be in my starting lineup, unfortunately. He will be, you know, that's a stash because, you know, the name Blackman and stuff like that, like he has some tout because of the schools that he went with. We were hoping that going to a G5 school that, you know, he would almost double what he did at Florida State. That's not necessarily the case. And, of course, they did bring in A.J. Mayer, who was the uh, quarterback from Miami of Ohio. He started five games, I believe, last year, 76.7 fantasy points per game, only 11 point fantasy points per game. Uh, they did lose, uh, was it Corey Rucker, I believe, was Arkansas State, right? And then he moved over, or was they it a lost, different team? They lost somebody. I forget who it is, though. It was yeah. the it was the wide receiver, the, the one there. I forget. Ruck, yeah. Wait, Rucker? Was it Rucker? Yeah, Arkansas Rucker's State? at South Carolina now, yeah. Yeah, so they lost their top wide receiver. So, but they do have some talent. For some reason, they always bring in like a decent, like three star or, you know, like a really high end, like two star. And they just wind up blowing up and then being like pretty decent, especially for CFF purposes. There's always like a, a, you know, starter there that we can at least put on a roster and stuff like that. But both of these quarterbacks are seniors, meaning that the next man up is Jackson Daly, who has five years of eligibility, you know, my ad. So, like, the dude has opportunities to get it done. So let's look at, um, you know, what's coming back to Arkansas State. So overall, they only have 48.5.2% of overall production come back. That's 121st. That's almost as bad as Iowa State. Of course, the conference rank in Arkansas State is 14th. That's almost, I believe, dead last, if I'm not mistaken. And then the offensive return is only 45.83%. Of course, that does mean Rucker is part of that as well, that he factored into FBS rank of 113th. So opportunity abounds. Uh, I don't know. I don't think you've watched too much Arkansas State, probably than other than just scouting Rucker and things like that. But what the stuff you have seen and seeing the Sun Belt, you know, games like that. Of course, Maction is some of my favorite stuff to watch. But you know, with Sun Belt stuff like that, it's pretty, you know, pretty close to the same kind of process. Do you think Jackson Daly has the intangibles at the G5 level, you know, to kind of get that done, or do you think, you know, this guy we might see another transfer because this is a transfer high type of university, especially for the guys that you know, just don't get it done in the P5 and they kind of move to G5. Do you think Daly sees the light of day? We'll, we'll go with that. 
Maybe. And I mean, their wide receiver room still is decent. They have you know, Trevellant Hunt and Jeff Foreman. So yeah. it's not, I, I can think of a lot worse situations uh, to be stepping into. And they always seem like they have a guy or two there. Um, so as long as he can get that job, I think um, I would certainly be interested. I wish he was just a little bit better rusher. I'd have to look and yeah. see exactly what, because I know some of the guys have, have determined, like, if you're not hitting like 10% market share or something for your high school you, mm-hmm. team, you're probably like the odds of you doing it in college are extremely low. I'd be interested gotcha. to see if he hit that kind of mark uh, or not. Uh, judging by the stats that you have here and what I watched, I kind of doubt it, but he might yeah. be close. So, um, so I, yeah, if he, if he was a little better rusher, I, I would probably be like way in on this kid as a, as a, a guy I'm paying attention to. Yeah. When I first saw the stats, I was like, no, there's no way. Like, I was like, wow, this kid's got some, some moves. And then I went to look, I was like, no, it's just, you know, the competition and stuff like that. They just allowed him to kind of get out of the pocket. So I do agree that he doesn't blow up the scales like Lamar Jackson, like we talked about or anything like that, but he definitely, at least he can get out of the pocket. That's good. He's not a stiff cardboard that just stands up at, you know, and, and stuff like that. At least he can move around and get it done. So at least he can increase the play. And that's going to come, you know, helpful because with offensive return of only 48%, that's probably some offensive linemen as well. So there's going to be some growing pains there. So I'm assuming, you know, if Blackman or Mayor can't get it done, we might see, uh, you know, look at daily. I don't think it's year one, uh, but this isn't a guy that wouldn't be, you know, taking in, in any rounds, whether it's CTC or CFF. I definitely believe that we could probably get him on a waiver or a watch list for sure. Um, any final thoughts on Jackson Daly? Good, sir. Um. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it, Lane Hatcher was decent there last year, and Lane yeah. Hatcher kind of stinks. So, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be an amazing player to put up decent numbers there. So, yeah, uh, why not? Why not this kid? Yep. Uh, one last thing, Hatcher did move, I believe, to Texas State, and then also Lincoln Pair, who I actually had for the Red Wolves on CFF Dynasty because he was actually doing really well, has transferred to Texas State as well. So, more production being abound. So. We also are probably looking for a running back here as well at Arkansas State, so that might be something I might dive into here in the next coming weeks too. So we'll we'll check that out. But one, I want to thank you, Austin, for coming on to the Future Freshman Podcast. Um, can you tell the listeners, you know, the stuff that you like to, you know, doing the podcast and things like that, and of course uh, some of the things that you might expect from uh, C2C here in the next coming weeks. Yeah. So I mean, if I'm if I'm not working my normal day job i'm probably doing a podcast the c2c pod or debbie debate on live on wednesday nights turns into a podcast thursday mornings um and or working on the debbie guide which we have coming out june 1st we're kind of wrapping up production of that right now 260 or 70 something profiles and advanced stats and all that good stuff so uh, i think definitely something that if you play debbie uh that you'll that you'll want to be on the lookout for when we drop that Absolutely. And of course, please go check out the campuscanton.com, uh, the website. Please go check out all the tools that we have. I love the uh, the new uh, the draft tool analytic that uh, Jarek and Jared were able to do. I think that's really, really special and really, really helpful, um, especially if you're doing anything, regardless if it's Debbie or C2C or CFF, you can move the dial the way that you need to and kind of make that happen. I think that's fantastic. Uh, of course, I'm Brandon T. Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Of course, this freshman, uh, this podcast drops mainly every Friday morning at 6 a.m. And I believe it'll probably going to do the same for the CFFU podcast when that returns. So kind of keep an eye out for there as well. Um, also, I put a poll out to so go if you can uh, say yes or no. We're actually debating to see maybe we can do a couple of mock drafts as far as uh, the freshmen are concerned. 
uh, for CFF purposes mainly, but you know, who knows? We might have one for C2C as well, just to kind of get the differences. So we might have a couple episodes there. If you're interested in something like that, you know, comment down below. Yes, if you're on YouTube or go over on Twitter and just, you know, hit me up on Twitter, hit yes or no, comment if you want, or just uh, retweet if you like what you're, you know, that you're seeing and you want to do that as well. Go check that out. Uh, that's something I'm interested in because I want to do that right before we jump into the 2023 class and start talking about the greats like Arch Manning, which we'll have a whole episode on as well. So that'll be the stuff that I'm working on as well. Of course, the CFF guide is starting to get put together here shortly. So you'll see that in July. So keep an eye on that as well. Other than that, uh, you know, Austin, thanks for coming on. Like I said, you should wear a bow tie next time. So that'd be pretty, pretty, pretty dope on there as well and then we'll talk about uh choices of chocolate milk and but we will stay away from the mac and cheese debate because that'll be just arguments that, yeah that'll get too heated that's that'll get way yeah. too heated yeah, we'll we keep that behind that. closed doors that we that will that'll only be in the slack so you know if you're <laughs> trying to get a job with c2c that's the only way you're going to see that so there you go um but i want you guys to have a great week uh be good to each other and we'll see you next time peace